This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. All aboard our last Real Kipper and Bourne show of 2022. <laughs> Just like we started the show, I think, a while ago. Can you hear me now? Hello, hello? I don't know. Uh, I think I can hear it. It works now. Are you good? I'm good. That's a hell of a start this. to our final show of the year. A little pick and roll off the start. Between your start and the Leafs start last night. Yeah, what was worse? What, what is going on going into the new year? At least I didn't follow all over you on the way to getting to my microphone like the Leafs did. Uh, it looked like something out of, uh, I don't know, the Three Stooges. Yeah, that was embarrassing. You know, the the whole thing just felt not NHL to me. And I know that's like the obvious thing to say after playing in that arena. But like the lighting, the Arizona jerseys, they're falling all over each other. I was like, what am I watching? There's a part of me who thought, why am I watching? Because <laughs> <laughs> we're supposed to. Oh, right, right. My job. Because we're paid to. Well, that's why I stuck around. And uh, I, that's the first thing I thought of after the game. And we're going to get into some some details, and we're going to get Sheldon Keefe's thoughts on last night. But the whole thing, it it was a, I think it was Kerfoot after uh, in between periods that had an interview and, and and spoke of it. I wish he just would have said the ca- looked in the camera and said, "This sucks." Come on, this is the NHL. See? It feels it feel it. It must feel to them like they. It's it's a Christmas tournament in minor hockey playing there. I know. It's, you know, <laughs> not that they're remotely comparable. Everyone's, you know, talks about sport washing around the world, all these serious reasons. Why are we sport washing the fact that that sucks? <laughs> you know, like, why isn't Kerfoot like, ah, what do you want me to say? This sucks. It's a joke. The lighting's bad. I can't I wish see you anything. Would. I wish you would. Yeah, me too. And right. so it's not like it has anything to do with why the Leafs lost. We'll get into the actual hockey. But as a viewer... Why are we pretending that it's not as good? It's not as good. It, it, it's worse. It's the understatement of 2022. <laughs> yeah. Not as good is I my mean, understatement. I mean, there's hockey tournaments, minor hockey tournaments around the world going on right now. And uh, usually when you see a, a game like that, you blame it on too much mini sticks in the hallway. You left nothing for the game. <laughs> yeah. Mini sticks in the hallway. Yeah, the, the rink usually has some sort of different issues, but yeah, it... It didn't feel quite the same. It, you know what it reminded me of, oddly, was the pandemic hockey with no fans. And I know there were fans and it was full But it was that. well lit. The pandemic was. Yes. Yeah, it was well lit. <laughs> yeah. I could see. Well, and what's hard is like the cameras gave a different light on the ice. Some were bluey, some were yellowy. And that's not, I mean, listen, no knock on Sportsnet. Every, everyone covering these games is having that challenge. Yeah, no, no, no. No, no, this is not a television issue. This no. is a, a rink issue. Right. And... I would imagine that the league probably would have liked to have done a few different things. Uh, perhaps the school did not allow that. The ASU. Yes. Is, yeah. It is funny seeing the fork at center ice. Like, you know, it's their, like, it's their barn. I uh, took my contact lenses out, uh, you know, around dinner time and... I had to lift my glasses up and down and say, are these things dirty? Yeah, what if, did, is some, me? did somebody is lick my glasses while I'm watching this game? Recounting your glasses of wine. It's just my second, right? Not my 14th? Okay, are we done beating it up? Yes. Well, yeah, okay. Well, yes, we're done talking about it, but I'm, I'll okay. beat it up more later. 
We got a terrific uh, show for you today. We do. Uh, Stanley Cup champion Adam Foote is going to join us in about 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. He'll help us uh, make sense of it all. More scoring, less defense. You know, he was one of the best. Stay-at-home, shut-down guy. Can't and win, on occasion, the cup without him. And on occasion could score a goal. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get his thoughts on, on what's, what's going on. Blown leads. Leafs had one last night going into the third period. Yeah. We'll also get his thoughts on Colorado, his former team. Of course, the, the Leafs on tap for that, for a New Year's Eve game. That's exciting. The Leafs, if they win on Saturday night, that would be their 60th year of, or win of 2022. 60th yeah, that's win. That's a good number. That's a lot of wins. They, it, they, it it's is. their 96th game, 95th or 96th game. It's a lot of wins. Mike Feuda will join us in the second hour as well. Uh, Should we tell people about he, his status he, or and, no? And, and, oh, of course. Absolutely. He's on the IR, uh, but uh, we're, we're, we're forcing him. Yeah. We're treating our last game of the year like it's game seven. You got to play whatever you got to take. Play through needles, it. Needles. You know, freeze it. Yeah. But this is a huge show for us. It is. And we went we went with Futes. Yeah. And he, he's gone to another level. You know that as a broadcaster. Yes. Yeah. He's he's in the upper tier now yeah. for sure. And as a you guy, know, you just like his 80% is better than the next guy's yeah. 100%. So we need him. I did tell him the secret to great broadcasting. Which was? Stop giving a crap. Yeah. You know, I haven't done that yet. You're not there yet? No, I'm getting better at it. How many years are you in? This is my like fourth year okay. of radio. Fourth I, season, I got it. I got, I got the give a crap meter uh, around six and a half, seven years. Yeah. Yes. And then said, you're ah. like shot out of a cannon. You, you know, just stop caring I'm about start, a lot of things. I'm starting to not care about social media. And that's the first step is getting over the masses. I think I put you on the fast path. Oh, you did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. There's, there's no doubt if my if I was still paired with Merrick, it might take till year nine or something. With you, I, year five, I should be good. All right. So we're looking to, forward to Mike Fuda and, uh, and getting to the bottom of uh, what the heck's going on with him and, uh, and why he's on the IR. So stick around for that. As far as our show yesterday teeing up, an Arizona team where the Leafs have not had much success. Should we really put on our surprise faces uh, today on what transpired last night? Yeah, we should. (laughs) You you should still beat Arizona. It it is fascinating, though. What did you say their record was against Arizona recently? It's It's sucked. It's their last time. The last time they beat Arizona was February of 2020 when Kasperi Kapanen scored an OT winner. They're 0-3-1 in the two years since against Arizona. So we've got 60 wins if they win Saturday night. Uh, and, none against, and none against no. Arizona. You know what bothered me? The the really bothers me about this Arizona thing is, can't you see us in April, late, mid, late March, early April going like an extra point or two would have made all the difference? If you just had taken something off Arizona in those two games, maybe it makes the difference. Like these points matter. They do matter. And it's just, when you look back and you go, where did they go wrong? These games against Arizona certainly going to stand out. We are going to get into much more detail, uh, but let's go to Sheldon Keefe first and get his thoughts on Arizona and what what went wrong last night. First of all, you got to give Arizona credit. They played extremely hard today, extremely structured, made things real, real, real hard on us. It's a pretty even hockey game all the way through. 
you could break it down a lot of different ways, and there's a lot of things that happen over 60 minutes, but you know, ultimately it probably comes down to us, our inability to, to kill a penalty, some ill-timed penalties that we took, especially that one in the third. But, I mean, we had a breakaway and two two-on-ones and didn't get, get, didn't get anything to show for it. They had a breakaway and a two-on-one and scored on both. If you were to go just a quick big picture on what you saw last night, where, where would you go first? Would it be the penalty kill? Would it be what? Yeah, penalty kill is part of it. And, you know, there's still goaltending. You know, can can you get a save here and there? He's a, you know, Matt Murray's an 800 save percentage. That seems to be what's separating them from earlier in the year is getting the saves. And, yeah, penalty kill was no good. How about you? No, No big boys last night. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing that stood out for me, and they've all been really good for a, a good stretch here. Mm-hmm. And can you can you deliver eighty two games at a at a certain le- level? Will there be just some nights when nothing goes right? Right. And between Matthews and Nylander, between Tavares and Marner, they sucked last night. That's good. I like that assessment. Yeah. No, didn't uh, didn't piss a drop, as my coach used to say. That. I mean, that's pretty weak. The uh, I don't know if it is Arizona for Matthews going home, getting distracted. Yeah. You know what it is exactly. But, you know, it's interesting. I was going through the leading scorers in the NHL today um, and just kind of seeing where everyone's at. McDavid, 67 points so far this season in like 35 games, 30 goals, unbelievable numbers. But... You know the 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 big four for the Leafs. Well, they had been in the top five last year. They're not. They're at eight. I think Marner's leading the team, and he's 18th in the NHL. The only ones with 40 plus points on uh, four four guys on a team. They, yeah, they got I think three guys with 40 plus points, and they're the only team. Them and or maybe it's just them. Yeah, I think it's just them. Yeah, but you know they're 18th, 20th, 21st in yes. the league in scoring. They're not second, third, and fourth or something like that, you know? So it's different this year. They have to drive They have to drive the bus. We know that. And for the most part, if you haven't gotten four out of four going most nights, you got three. Yeah. Because Nylander's gone to another level. Right. So you're usually covered with three out of the four somewhat, not if not dominant, the, the better players on the ice yeah. over 60 minutes. And I know you, you you can have a really good team when you're not feeling it and it's not at 90 or 100%. Mm-hmm. But if those guys can play at, a, at an 80% and find ways to still win, you know you're damn good. Oh, yeah. Last night, probably had them at about 55, 60%. Yeah. All of them collectively. And that hasn't been a look that we've seen for a long time. Right, and this they season. they got this depth scoring to pick them up too. They get one from Holmberg, they get one from Yarncroft, they get one from Kerfoot. They just needed yeah. one, you know, from right. from the top guys. So yeah, sometimes they can't be perfect every night. No, they can't. Now, uh, any concerns here? Like we were uh, talking about uh, a guy like Tavares, and up until maybe uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we were talking about a forty-plus goal season. We were talking about, hey, if he plays with Marner all year, this guy he's going to end up with 45 goals. Right. And that's not the case anymore. I think no. three in the last 15. Goals. Yeah. Yeah. Does he drop below a point per game? I think he probably has. Yeah, yeah, he has. And last night, I thought between him 
uh, and and Marner and even Yarncroft. I know Yarncroft scored, and I know he's getting yeah. points, but as a line, I thought they were really bad last last night. <laughs> you know, you don't come in here and say that very often, so it must have been. You know, yeah. You generally have given them the benefit of yeah. that. But but looking through Tavares' stats, he has uh, two points in his last six games. Yeah, a goal and one goal, one assist in his last so six w- games. What do you see? I, I think. He, I don't know what happened last night. Sixteen and a half time with, on ice with with uh, the faceoffs too. But if if I, I don't know the numbers last oh, night. Yeah. But if he's not winning fifty five, sixty percent of his draws, uh, says to me that the energy's down on him. Mm-hmm. And again, it's hard. Maybe he's got a cold. Well, <laughs> or just <laughs> eighty two games is a lot mm-hmm. to bring it every night. For sure. For sure. And and it is sort of in this like lull of the season, but this is what you were worried about going into the season that, you know, he wasn't going to quite be at that level as he has been in the past. He did win 55% of his draws okay. last night. So All right. a little better than it had yep. been, but Matthews won 29% of his. Um yeah, but they, that, something uh, yeah. to keep an eye on for the I, Leafs. I don't know what they all ended up. They when I looked last looked, they were all at like minus 3, minus 4. I know a couple of empty netters, yeah. but wasn't They're just night. not a good night. Do you in, think it has anything the... to do with like a matchup thing? Like I, you know, starting the game, the commentators were saying, okay, like, you know, the coach had said that Nick Bustad's line was going to match up against Matthews and, you know, do the old shadow routine. Does he just struggle with that when the, when the other team designates someone? Cause they think about, yeah. you know, was it, well, what's his name? And uh, again, in LA that's now? Uh, the one thing that, when when you in, get into a first round match and that sort of stuff happens, how long do you watch struggling guys before you make adjustments mm-hmm. or make some changes or have some different looks? I think that's still a challenging part in Sheldon Keefe's coaching. That, yeah, that sometimes he's a little too loyal to stick with something. Well, you know, a quote that sticks out to me is when they're in the postseason against Montreal. And what? Give me the center's name. Starts last name starts the D. L. A. Signed him. Uh, he shut down Matthews for Montreal. Oh, uh, Deneau. Deneau. Philip Deneau. So, yes. you know, Matthews had, uh, you know, they'd been okay early in the series, and uh, at some point they were struggling, and Keith was asked about getting Matthews away from Deneau, and he almost chuckled about it, and I don't blame him for chuckling about it. Like, we're not going to hide from Philip Deneau. He's Austin Matthews. If we have to hide him from Philip Deneau, we have bigger problems. <sighs> Bad news, you had bigger problems. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like should maybe have been quicker to say. Pierre-Luc Dubois. Yeah. In the bubble. For Columbus, yeah. For Columbus, right? He he went against Matthews. Yeah. So like when, when they've had a guy and they've said to that guy and the other team, don't worry about scoring, just worry about that guy, 34. You know, he hasn't thrived yet in a straight 1v1 matchup against an opposing yeah. center. And usually if teams like, Arizona last night have success at uh, against the Leafs. The one thing that kind of stands out to me sometimes when they're not outskilling them is they have they have, they have trouble against bigger players. The Leafs do. Yeah. 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 I, uh, Bustad's big. Bustad's big. Yeah. Pretty. He looked pretty big along the wall. Yeah. Uh, Lawson Kraus looked pretty big uh, when Morgan Riley pinched on him, mm-hmm. and. Jack McBain at six foot four looked really big against Dryden Hunt. Yeah, Hunt was happy to get out of that one alive. 
Eh? Like he, he got a couple of licks in, then saw McBain get to his feet and was like, ah, I'll tap this one here. I can appreciate that. Uh, trying. And how about a willingness? Something. They don't have a lot of guys with a willingness. He, she demonstrated a willingness. He did, but hey, he's still tr- trying. Yeah. Is not, is not good enough. I think sometimes, uh, they don't have enough guys who try in that department though. But yes, you know, I know you're right. And, and I get it. Yeah. I get it. You're going to try to come in. You're going to try to create energy. Yeah, finish your hits, but I'm just watching last night, JB, a guy like Dryden Hunt, and what he needs to do and how he's going to be successful on this fourth line. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't see it. I just don't see Hunt you don't, and eh? Austin Reese leading a fourth line charge against a Boston or a Tampa Bay in the first or second round. You know, I, I, I don't see I it. want their fourth line to have a clear purpose in regards to, I want it to be energy hit four check solid defensively, but like go give them good energy shifts, pick them up yeah. when they're out there. Right. I think hunt can do that. Yeah. But I think last night's a really good example that if he's going to go out there and do what he did and I, they didn't he, what did you think of the hit on McBain? That's I boarding all day long. Yeah, it's a penalty. It's a penalty all day long. I actually thought if Hunt were a bigger guy and Hunt were a smaller guy, it might have looked really bad, but their size has kind of bailed Hunt out. You know, because he wasn't able to yes. just pile drive his neck through the boards. So if you're going to be Hunt and you're going to play this way for the next 30 games and get yourself ready for the first round, between now and April... You're going to piss people off. Yeah. And he pissed Jack McBain off. And Jack McBain's a college kid. And I don't know how many fights he's been in. But when he doesn't blink an eye to go after a Dryden Hunt. Yeah. What are others going to do to Dryden Hunt? And once he got a hold of him, he threw him down like a bag of feathers. Yeah, it looks like and his second I, fight. I don't want that look. You want it more than you want a Dennis Mulligan skating around doing nothing. I want a legit fourth-line guy yeah. that if he's going to go around and he's going to piss people off and every once in a while he's going to get challenged, he can even look after himself. Mm-hmm. And I, I, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not here to debate that uh, So there, 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 there are a ton of them out there. There's none of them out there. It's too hard. No, find them. Find one for me, they're better with him than with Morgan, but they haven't found the guy yet for playoffs. You know, and I know Hunt's played one game; he's played eight minutes, so definitely going to give him some more runway to prove me I'll, wrong I'll, there. But I'll, I'll give you another example of what I'm talking about mm-hmm. about uh, a Jack McBain, who, by the way, you like Jack McBain, huh? Well, listen, uh, I watched him last 6-3, night. Two hundred one drafted in the third round. I'm watching him last night, and he. Playing the part of Nick Paul in Game 7 last night, Jack McBain against the Leafs. Sure. Big. A guy that you don't necessarily expect. Comes up with two, you know, a, a game-winning goal. Yeah. Just big and strong. Right. So, I'll give you another example of what I'm talking about with, with a, a non-reputation type of guy like Dryden Hunt. Mm-hmm. Is that if we took Dryden Hunt out and we put in Wayne Simmons, and I'm not here to debate whether he, Wayne can skate or not or keep up or can still. I'm just talking about if you 
took Hunt out, mm-hmm. put Simmons, how would Jack McBain responded? Well, differently. <laughs> <laughs> Significantly differently. Or not at all. Yeah. No, you're right. Or Either not at all. Differently or not at all. You know, this, though, is a team. This leaves team who are saying they need depth scoring. They need depth this, that, the other thing. You know, Hunt's a guy who scored a little bit in junior. You know, can he have the – can he provide something else other than that energy? I do remember a story that Anthony Stewart told about playing with Patrick Coletta and how Coletta used to run around and, like, hit people and – you know, ways that pissed them off, but yeah. didn't want to fight them. And other people had yeah. to, and how that was hard as a teammate. Interesting to see if Hunt is consistently an agitator like that. At least he did answer, yeah. but you're right. It's different than when it's. Listen, I, I, I got to assume that between now and, and March, there, there will be a still a different look on that fourth line. I think so too. I, I think even last night would probably make a lot of people think that, uh, you know, it's nice. Uh, Dryden Hunt's a guy that can come in. Could he be up and down with the Marlies? Do you look at him as a 13th forward, a 14th forward? Mm-hmm. Probably given, you know, if you have Matthew Nyes or whoever's going to be like Matthew Nyes on left wing, that bumps down Yarncroc who bumps down Engvall or someone to the fourth line, you know, like it's, it, it does depend on what they do. But yeah, De- Hunt feels like depth support after, uh, after one look anyway. All right, let's go. Pick up Sheldon Keefe's comments on the little things that maybe the Leafs didn't show last night. Well, that's two games in a row now. We've driven up a lead, a lead in the third period. So, uh, and you can't hang on to the past. You know, they come out of the break here now, and it's two games on the road we've been in control of, and and they got away on us for different reasons. Again, we take a careless penalty in the third period. You know, we have it all but killed. Fail, fail, uh, fail to get it out, uh, and then it's in our net. It's little details like that. We're just a little off, a little off on that execution there, a little off on our execution on the high end chances that we did have, and that's you know that's the difference in the game. Obviously, didn't give up really anything aside from that first shift, but that's a breakaway we give up on the first shift. So that's that's not uh, not a good look for us off the start. And like I said, those are those little details are really the difference in the game. They had, breakaway two-on-one and we're pulling both out of our net we had same types of looks um and nothing to show for connor timmons with a a lot of good and a little bad Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's the expectation for a guy like that is he showing you any more than what you thought well listen i i I don't claim to have known him well yeah coming out of junior and uh but the word was he's a headsy player and we saw that with a couple of Nice passes. He finds sticks uh, from the blue line really well in zone. He seems to be able to shoot it to guys on his team. So, so that's that's a plus. Your boy Pontus Holmberg, you know, tips another one in. He's turned into a player. Yeah. We, we had a clip yesterday which we didn't end up playing, but Mitch Marner just saying, what do you say? He's legit or he's the guy. Stud. He's a stud is what he said. He's yeah, well, settle down a bit. But, you know, it's it. he has solidified himself not as a Marley, but as a Toronto Maple Leaf. He's um, He's been really, really good for them. The uh, other clip, shall we? You know what? Uh, let, let's just, I want to stick on, if we're talking about uh, penalties, uh, got to touch on a little bit on the uh, the misunderstanding, I guess, on, on the trip, on whether or not it was Mitch Marner going in or not. I know Sheldon was quite upset about it. Everybody started talking about it in social media and whether or not he was going to get fined again. Or I think Elliot thought that, uh, you know, 
almost got to the point where he, somebody would be worried he'd get thrown out of a game. I think yeah. that was a little bit of a stretch. But what were your thoughts about just the energy that Sheldon put towards whether it was Mitch Marner or not uh, that ended up uh, tripping a coyote? Well, you know, you want Mitch Marner on the penalty kill, right? I know you do. Is he not like one of the five best PK but, forwards in hockey? Yes, but if he did trip him, <laughs> he yeah. needs to go to the box. Right. And that's right. it. So it was the complaint, you think, from Sheldon that he just didn't know it was I Mitch? I don't know. I don't know, but why are you exerting so much energy guy's towards it? It's like it's yeah. just... Keep your focus. You know, Sheldon had a bit of a reputation when he was a player, I think, of being hot-headed, right? Like, he reacts and he's emotional, and, you know, I've seen that off the ice in my experience with him. But it does feel like he's brought it up. Almost like this is the time of year guys could sleep through, and he feels some responsibility to pull it out of the guys. He's just got fined at twenty-five grand, and... He probably didn't get fined anyway. It, Whatever the case is, yeah. you, you got somebody got their not, yeah. PP whacked. Right. Just pick your battles. Mm. That's all I'm saying. You still got 30 plus games to go here, and you're going to need a call in the playoffs. Yeah. Just start collecting some, some poker chips here. Yeah. It's true. You know, you think back to early in the season where he's leaning so hard on the team, right? We talk about using bullets up early with the guys, and, you know, he. he you're firing those off. He's firing off bullets, uh, you know, on the referees here, kind of in the midseason. Uh, you can't blame, you can't say he's not passionate, but you, know, you think of the, a lot of the coaches who've won Stanley Cups, a little bit more composed and save some of that stuff. You don't see a lot of John Cooper meltdowns. They exist, but, you know, more selectively timed, I think. All right, you want to uh, touch on Morgan Riley? Yeah, I don't have an overly passionate take on him last night except for, the pinch leading into the the one where Lilligren took away the pass but didn't was just bad. Bad, you know. I didn't care yeah. for that. You know, I I guess he had good jump. I don't know. What do you think? Let's go to Sheldon Keith, right. and then we'll come up. I thought he was good. I thought he had good legs. He was putting a real tough spot on that uh, on that fourth goal. It's a real tough pass that's handed to him under pressure, and he's got to contend with. But, yeah, I thought he had good legs, uh, and it was noticeable what he was able to bring on the rush, especially. And, and you know, he gets out there with that, that power play unit, and they do a real good job for us there, too. Yeah, the, the one thing it made me kind of revisit over the last four weeks, right. five weeks that he's been out, is that we have not seen too many bad pinches. Yeah. And their their willingness to wait out games instead of forcing things. Right. And if it's the one th- knock I have against Morgan Riley's game, yeah, is that he tries to sometimes force things that aren't necessarily there. Right. And again, I don't know if it's the pressure of uh, trying to keep up with the Marners and the Matthews and the Nylanders and, and drive offense back there. Right. That usually does come with guys that are making seven, eight, nine million dollars a year. It's just an automatic that you're supposed to be really good at everything. It is. But like, you know, Sheldon, 
I understand it's first game back, bail the guy out. He's one of your leaders. He says, ah, he was pretty bad pass handled, handed to him. Well, he takes a pass in the skates, and then he controls it. He's got it, right? And he jams it up the wall to no one. Bad pass. And then he's outside the dots. You know, after he makes that pass, there's no reason why you should yeah. have his, you know, so it's one of those things no, that you're, you're talking you're 100% about. right. It's like. But that's, that's. I love the point about patience. That's that's what you avoided for for a long time. And I'm and I don't think you're saying they're better off without him. The point is just that can he incorporate some of what he's watched from this team where you don't have to go get the next one right away? You know, trust that it's going to come. Yeah. That you guys can yeah. finish and you'll create chances before the other team. Now, Jacob Chikrin's out there and I I in all honesty, I thought that Chikrin was going to try to come out like he was shot out of a cannon. Mm-hmm. That he was going to come out, and this is my chance to kind of show on a big stage with the Toronto media that uh, I'm their answer or I'm another contending team's answer, and I'm going to just try to do everything out there. I, I didn't see that. I saw a guy that was fairly patient, yeah, uh, didn't try to force things, and then ended up scoring a goal on a on a very natural play to come in. Yeah, you know, I didn't like him though as, no, as much. Eh? No, I just and, and, I, no, it wasn't. It wasn't anything spectacular, right? Right. But and, I, and, I, just, and I had I an thought he was going to overplay the the, the I game. I see what you mean. Yeah, and he, that's all. He let it come to him a bit. I, I thought he was he's fine, you know. But obviously, he had an eye on him. Like, is this someone the Leafs watch? And you know, the the Kerfoot goal, the puck goes up to the point, and he's got Kerfoot, and he starts drifting up to the point and watching the shot come. Kerfoot gets behind him and tucks it in the net. And it reminded me of what we're talking about with Riley. Like, is this another guy who takes some chances where, you know, they're having some more success with patience. So I, he can score though. And they don't score from the back end. So, you know, not going to say the Leafs aren't better with him because they are, but you know, is that where you want to spend your bullets? Is that where you want to you know use your assets? I don't know. We think that uh, Rasmus Sandin will be playing real, real soon here. So who, who's coming out? Who's what's the next move here? You know, I, I assume Connor Timmins, but, you know, another two assists and looks pretty good. You know, do you think now that Timmins could play himself into a position where the Leafs say, all right, our seven, eight guys are Timmins and Ben. You know, if we feel like we need a more physical guy, we can put in Ben. If we feel like we need a puck mover, we can put in Timmins, depending who's hurt. And they're comfortable with what they have on defense. To me, Timmins isn't playing to be one of the six. He's playing to eliminate the Leafs' need to make a trade for a D-man. Wow. Wow, yeah. You know, because they have one extra guy That's who can do both things. Big ask. Big ask. But do you think Ben is trustworthy enough to be the guy, let's say Justin Hall gets hurt, you're more likely to put in Jordy Ben, right? Because he's going to be your PK physical I guy. I, I still look at those guys as six sevens. Right, I don't sure, see but them every get day in. in playoff games to try to no. save my. Oh, I'm talking next seven contract. eight. If they're seven eight, are you comfortable with them? Yeah, I'm fine with that. But yeah, uh, so you go Rats, Sandy and Lilligren, Geo and Hall, and R- Riley and Brody, and then they be your seven eight. Yeah. Do you have to go get yeah. another D man to improve your seven uh, eight? All of a sudden, though, uh, if you want to legitimately look at. A second power play. Looked pretty good last night. Right? <laughs> the first hey, time when, this is, year. Is he not your first choice on a second 
power play unit right, right now. Yeah, if you're Sandine watching that game so in the arena last night, you're like, God damn it. Right? <laughs> Stop it, Timmons. Yeah. It's a good question. He right-handed does. Right-handed shot. It's a different look yeah. for the Leafs as a second unit guy. Yeah. Yeah, like, like you know, the one thing that I keep, keep saying is he plays with his head up. You know, he's, I still he's, find it, like, really, like, I don't know, the, the, the word I can only come up with is awkward mm-hmm. when you're kind of grooming five forwards on the power play, and yet Timmons showed, you know, yeah. pretty good stuff on the second unit. Oh, where does that leave Morgan Riley? Yeah. No, I mean, it's assumed, I think, that he's the guy, right? That he's the number one power play guy. They tried the five forwards thing, but yeah, I, I don't know. What do you? What do you? One thing wh- in Riley's defense, the numbers looked heavily skewed. You know, they were sixth in the NHL when he was in, and you know when he was out, they were like twenty sixth or something. So the the power play struggled without Riley. You know, it could be a whole host of factors, but yeah, there's nothing that Riley does in the power play that I, that I don't think can be replicated. But all right, we got Adam uh, Foot coming up. After the break, uh, a couple more minutes on last night, uh, a topic of conversation that I don't think is a huge concern, but it looks a little bit, it looks a little different than it did maybe 10 days ago or 12 or two weeks, and that's the goaltending. Yes. there We should talk about there, that. There is a drop. Yes. And I'm worried. <laughs> no i am come on no i'm worried <laughs> going into this season i, I said th- a, a drop i yeah. didn't say a panic well i have a little bit of a moment here going into the season if you had people rank the goalie tandems by team and they looked at murray samsonov going in, into this season for the leafs they would have been bottom third of the nhl for sure in terms of what people expected out of their goaltending tandem this yeah. year when people ranked goalie tandems early in December, the Leafs had the best one in the league. You know, sorry, Boston, and then the Leafs had the best one in hockey. So they were playing a little bit above expectations, and they're coming back down to earth. And so my question is, was how good they were playing, like they're going to come down a bit and be middle of the pack? Or are they going to regress back to what people thought they were? And I'll include myself in that. I didn't think they were good in the goaltending position. I yeah. thought... Murray was going to be a placeholder until someone else came available later in the season. They'd find a way to, to move Murray. And, you know, now it sounds like that sounds like nonsense because he's been so good. But I'm worried that it's going to, to suddenly they're yeah. going to get 898 save per percentage till March. Yeah. The, the, April. It, it, it has presented in the last week plus a, a different look for sure. They just... A little bit more floppy. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, Samsonov's fallen yeah, a couple a little, of times. A little floppy yeah. amongst them. And I just think that the level of consistency over the last month to five weeks, six weeks, over uh, the defensive look. And again, the, the whole key of that whole stretch was 20 guys, mm-hmm. not necessarily six on the blue line, but their ability to uh, back pressure – and yep. take the middle of the ice away. Just let the goalie take the shooter. And, and block the lanes. Yeah. Like, how many how many teams have they played in the last month where they're like, can we get a puck through? Yeah. They have and helped. What was shots in goal last night? And I don't, I didn't, it didn't present to me as a, 
a, a, a great shutdown for them, but they they gave up only six. The first period, Arizona shots had nothing in half the game. Yeah, they didn't get. They weren't getting to the net. No, I believe uh, Arizona might have had twenty two shots on the night or something around there. You know, so it's not like they were piling it on Toronto. They had a couple of power plays where they scored goals. They had one where the you know the D fell all over themselves. Riley turns one over in the neutral zone with six minutes left, and the game's over. And again, that that's the stuff that they avoided. Yeah. So that to me is more of a key on on the goaltending than actually having those guys stand on their heads. Yeah. Just make that simple first save. You know, we're not going to ask a ton of you. And I know Keith had made some comments about how it's hard for goalies to play in those games where you only see 20 pucks or whatever it is, but there's a pretty good team to play goal for. I don't think they give up a ton of high da- high danger chances. And so, yeah, you, you, when was the last Leafs game where you thought they got really good goaltending against Dallas probably? And that was, I don't know, two, three weeks ago now. So you j- I just want to see one of yeah. the guys, one of the two guys say, I'm the guy, I'm going to make a lot of saves. I'm going to take it over. I wrote about a little bit about this today too, which we can get into our articles at some point, but I'm a little worried. <laughs> <laughs> or it's just a Toronto thing. Well, I think it's a natural fan thing. Like, your goalies have a couple of bad games. You're like, this is it. They're never making a save again. All right. Do we want to kind of go back? We we got one clip left. Let's just go to right. Sheldon Keefe on that whole uh, mullet arena experience to wrap this thing up. Yes. You know what? Once the game gets going, you don't really notice it too much. Uh, it's really loud. I don't, know if it's, I don't know if the speakers are turned up a little extra, a little extra, or if it's just because they're lower. Uh, but it was... It was real loud in terms of the music and stuff like that. Um, probably drowned out a lot of the a lot of the, the atmosphere in terms of the crowd and that. So I couldn't really get much of a feel from that sense of it. But in terms of the game itself, it just seemed like hockey. That's a whole bunch of backhanded compliments. Sheldon could have taken his whole media game to another level if he just uttered two words. It sucked. Yeah. Listen, I couldn't hear the fans because they had the music turned up just like they used to during the pandemic when there was no fans in the building. Uh, You know, I watched the the pregame thing and Sean McKenzie's walking through the the rink. There's the four guys with drums. They're calling a band there. (laughs) I'm just not. I can't get on board. Well, at least it didn't present itself like World Juniors last night, another 11 nothing shellacking. Don't Bedard have another six points or something, five or six points? You know, I I, uh, I saw it, like, I don't know what it was, 30 years ago or th- some ridiculous number like that, that uh, Peter Forsberg had 10 points. In uh, a game? Yeah, in a game yeah. versus uh, Japan, I think. Yeah. And they won 20 to 1. Like, at that point, like, can we, do we really want to count that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Do you really want to count it's, it's that? It's officially part of the record books. It's I did, just, but it's it's just really bad. I did that. Uh, the, 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 the team, uh, uh, Austria. Yeah. Last night. Yeah. Yeah. Should not be on the ice. No. 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 I did. They, uh, they're not going to beat a good junior B team. No. And it's tough, too, because these Canadian kids and everyone they're playing is trying to carve out a future for themselves and demonstrate their skills. And, you know, they can't really take their foot off the gas, right? You can't I really ask them I, to I, dump I, it listen, in and I trap. Know, I know. You just, hey, it's not my problem. 
Connor Bedard looking at them going, it's not my problem. You guys suck. I'm going to go and light you up. Yeah, they... I will embarrass you. And to those guys, if you're Austria, that's a life moment, right? That's You laugh about that. You say, I got to play against Connor Bedard. That's your, like, career highlight. So you don't feel bad about it, I don't think. Just hard to watch. Yeah. That's all. Oh, definitely hard to watch. Okay, let's take a quick break. Adam Foote after the break. Mike Fuda in the second hour. Plenty more to chew on on our last show of the year. You're listening to Real Kipper and Vaughn. CJCL Toronto. This is Real Kipper and Vaughn on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Getting a few messages off our conversation about bigger wingers for the Leafs. Uh Bigger than Dryden Hunt. And it's like, hey, Matthew Nye's six foot three. It's a large animal. See some of the highlights uh, going through uh, the internet of uh, yeah. his shot. Yeah. Got a, a good shot. I mean, good shot. He hits some people. The only thing that you got to, I guess, and it's a Toronto thing, I'll tell you, it's the hype. I know. It's, there's different hype for different players here. I know. The Nick Robertson wave was real here. Oh, my God. Are you sure if this guy is going to be an everyday player, like is it a guarantee or is there still a question mark on Nick Robertson? Are you, we, we didn't think of that like five weeks ago, six weeks ago. We but thought the door was shut on going back to the American Hockey League. Those 100%. days were over. I'm, it's I amazing. tweeted that exact thing, that his days of being a Marley yeah. are over. He will wear a Marley's jersey again, I'm sure, when he comes back from injury. I'd imagine they'll do a conditioning thing and see if he can find it again. You know, he seems a real case for, like, just staying patient in this market, pushing people into tough spots, getting too excited too soon. Um, yeah. We got, All right. We got foot. All right. As promised, Stanley Cup champion, father of Cal, man, you're just going to take this hockey thing right to the very end of the cliff, eh, Adam? <laughs> hey, Kevin, how you guys doing? I'm good, pal. How are you? I'm good. I was just up there for Christmas, and we got back a couple days ago, but we had a nice visit to Toronto. Nice, nice. Uh, well, listen, we're, we're, just before we maybe get into a couple of specifics, uh, I know that we, we know the Leafs are heading over to your old stomping ground in Colorado and, and what's going on there and what could be through their minds of defending a, a champion, uh, something that uh, you know uh, all about. Uh, but just the overall feel of of where the, the game is going and how opened it's been and the lead changes and the amount of goals. I mean, I, I don't see too many Adam Foots around the league anymore, man. And if, if, if there are there, they should be making seven, eight, nine million dollars. Uh, you know, yeah, it's, you said it. I mean, it's changed, but, um, you know, I still see, I still see guys hold each other accountable though for the bad hits and things like that. Um, it, it's definitely not what, when you played and I played, but that's okay. If things evolve and they try to make the game better and sell the game and, you know, they want goals and things like that. And, uh, I, you know, it's fun. I mean, I, I was at the game last night and watched 
the Avs in L.A., and it was nice to watch it as a, like a fan and not a coach or a development guy or a father, and it was a pretty entertaining game, to be honest with you. L.A. plays a good defensive-minded game, and they had Colorado right where they wanted, and then McCarr just absolutely took over with something I've never seen before, and I, I was in shock that L.A. could sustain it and come back because I really felt they were stunned when they saw what he did. And uh, it took them a little bit, but they fought back. And I mean, they're well coached, but getting all over the map here. But I, I think the game—it's fun to watch. I mean, I like it. I—I've never liked to shoot out. I mean, imagine we gave up three breakaways in a game where a coach would bench us. But <laughs> you know, it—it sells. And uh, you know, it, it, and as far as what you said about us, we—I think people just evolve to their surroundings. You know, if you have drive and want to make it, you just change your game and try to hang in there, right? So. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely not what it was, but it's pretty entertaining to watch, too. It's real fast. Adam, we're getting a, a little bit of uh, uh, static. Uh, do you want to call back in? You want us to call you? We're just going to try to clean yeah, up sure. your line a little bit. All right, we'll be right back with you, okay? Yep. Thanks, pal. It is, uh, it's fascinating hearing a, a guy who used to play such a physical game. You know, you forget, like Adam Foote, big man, six foot two, two 220 pounds, really embrace you know, the, the new style of the NHL and, and say, you know, look at Kale McCarr and a guy who's just so different in terms of, you know, stylistic play compared to the way he played and, and like it, you know, like it's, it's impressive to watch an, an evolution like that. Um, and I do look forward to following up with him when we do get him on that. Yeah. And just, just the challenges, to the Leafs. just in the challenges in Colorado and the, and the weight of uh, McCarr, who's looking around the room and not seeing the same faces he won a Stanley Cup with, either through a, a cadre getting traded or the yeah. injury uh, bug that's, uh, that's hit them. Yeah, no doubt. Looks like we got Tristan uh, dialing him in here right now. We'll give him one sec and we, uh, we will have Adam Foot back. You know, that's one thing I want to ask him about Sandine and Lilligren and, you know, the potential for having to be a larger, more physical defenseman. Like, do they, can they make do as a third pair without being larger guys. All right, we do have uh, Adam Fab- the foot- Adam Foot back with us. Adam, I don't know if you heard what I was just talking about, but the Leafs have a couple of smaller D uh, that they plan to have as their third pair, and I'm fascinated by the evolution of hockey, and can they survive in the playoffs with a couple of guys at 5'11 and 6 feet playing third pair minutes in, you know, Sandine and Lilligren? I mean, it's a great question. Can they, I mean, their team's so, their team's so deep, I mean, um, they almost had uh, Tampa last year if it wasn't for Vassy, you know, playing the way he did. Right. But it's a great question because I don't know them well enough to comment and say, can they get it done? I, I can tell you that, um, you know, I don't know about last year. I'm trying to think of the abs. Like Gerard got hurt with a big hit um, and didn't, you know, playing the rest of the playoffs, but they were they were pretty big and fast. And, and Colorado was a different team, unique team. They didn't spend a lot of time defending. They were in their end quick. Like Tampa plays like uh, so well on the offensive zone. Like uh, say a St. Louis in the playoffs. You know, Winnipeg Winnipeg plays that way. They try to grind you dots to boards and wear you down. Um, I I'm not sure if you look at the last Stanley Cups before Colorado. I think almost the last five or six, I, I don't want to say for sure, but 
they maybe had one guy under six foot, the defenseman. Right. And though right. though our game has changed and it's evolving, like for sure it's faster, but you still have to get through four seven game series of the grind, and you you know, yeah, there might not be as big a hits, but there's still that. If you're a smaller guy, can you make it through those playoffs playing against bigger guys? The teams that make it are, are pretty big, and the D are big, and they've got to take those hits now. There's no holdup. So you look at Tampa, they have to go back, absorb that hit. They wait for help. They outman. They get out with, you know, their two versus your one or three versus two. And that will never go away. Dots to boards, playing in front of the net, the grind. So, you know, are these guys, you guys know better than me, are they elite skaters? Can they can they defend with their brain? Can they defend with their body and, you know, get in front of guys? I don't know. You guys might know that answer. And, um, maybe they can, but um, I do know, you know, the last few Stanley Cups, you look at the defense one, they're big guys, and uh, they're, they're, they're thick, and they can take the pounding of a 4-7 game series. Guys are going to get hurt, right? Adam, uh, as far as Kale McCarr goes, and he's starting to warm up a little bit again, five points over his last two games, but... Uh, you know, in our era, in particularly you, you saw some greats in, in Ray Bork and, and Rob Blake. But where does he where does he stand for you um, in, in terms of, of starting to talk about all-time greats at such an early time in his career? Yeah, uh, like you, you nailed it early. It's so hard to say, is he at that level? And, um, you know... I've been doing a little bit more with the abs on, say, broadcasting and things like that, so I've been watching them a lot lately. And um, I've, I've never seen – I played with Ray, I played with Blakey. Uh, you see Lindstrom do it his way all those years, right? Um, Pronger did it his way, Chelios, uh, you know. But then you see how Brian Leach did it on the blue line in the offensive zone, the things he did not a lot of guys could do. But this guy – can do all those guys I mentioned. He he's got a little bit of all of them in him. It's just scary to watch. It's it's. I don't think it's anything that can be taught, or you'd see more guys like it. You will see guys evolve and skate like that and make those moves at the blue line and work on that skill set. I think through time, but I think it's just a natural gift that he was born with, the fast twitch and the athleticism. What he's doing out there, Colorado's pretty banged up and. L.A. was on their way, and he just decided with five minutes left in the second period, he just went off and, and took it to another level. It was like, and I said it on the air last night, I didn't want to disrespect the L.A. guys. They're pro hockey players. I'm going, I cannot believe he's doing this to pro players right now. Right. You know, and like, to know like his speed and his, his anticipation, and then when he gets the puck, he just attacks straight at the defender, and then, he makes the defender bite, and, and it's just fun to watch. I, I, not too many guys I've seen can do that. And uh, I, I think he's going to be up there the all-time great at the end of this. I, I just don't see him going away, and he's getting better in defending. He's forced now to play heavier minutes in his end because of the injuries of the abs. They're not as, you know, getting executing, get it on their end. With They've got a lot of young guys, a lot of guys playing up in the lineup. So the whole abs decor – is, you know, two guys are banged up, their second pair, and Manson and uh, Byron, but they're managing to get by. And uh, But, you know, he's playing a lot of heavier minutes, and I hope that uh, they get some D back so he can back off it. 
Yeah, I imagine there's some pressure to sort of pick up the slack when you look around the dressing room and it's a pretty different group than how they would look at full health, let alone the the team they took to the Stanley Cup final and to to the Cup last year. How different is the Avalanche team uh, that the Leafs are going to see on Saturday night from the best of themselves in the previous, you know, six months? Um, Yeah, you said it. Like, they're missing Nechuskin, Landeskog, and... um... I'm trying to think of the one more guy. Their, their whole second line, or say top, top, they're missing three of their top yeah. six players. Uh, Rodriguez uh, in. Rodriguez is back in, um, and they're missing their second D pair. But it's a blessing this guy's like Ben Nair, the coach, is doing a great job um, juggling guys, finding guys. Like Confer's playing really well. He's playing up in the lineup on the, on the top line. But I would say he could arguably be one of the top third-line centers on a cup contender and possibly playing the second spot. Um, but what what's happening is if they can get through these injuries, like they've been whacked with injuries. Um, oh, you look, McKinnon, the, the best player, right? Yeah, Nate. Uh, the best Nate. For it. I mean, Nate, right? And uh, if they can get through this, they're finding some youth. Like everyone's playing up in the lineup, but when they get those three guys back on forward, they're going to play down a line and have that much more confidence and that much more experience. And I think that's the way I think Bednar's looking at it. And um, it's it's a blessing in disguise because they're finding guys. Guys are getting more of an opportunity, say, the young guys than they did would get in a training camp. You know, they're forced to play these guys and see what they've got. Um, so, but I, I just worry that with Gerard and, and Makar and Taze, the minutes they're playing, they're playing different minutes. They're playing heavier minutes, defending. And um, I just worry with the, the short summer and moving forward, if they don't get guys back, uh, they might wear them out a little bit, but we'll see. I mean, it looks like Makar is not going to stop, but he's still pretty young, you know. So uh, hopefully they get a couple of those D backs. The Leafs, Colorado, maybe a half a dozen other teams really look like they're going to have to wait at the trade deadline to uh, buy as much cap space as they can to make an acquisition. Uh, no question that uh, many of us believe that they still haven't filled the void of Nazem Kadri. In a perfect world, what would you like to see come in there? Uh, the name Jonathan Taves has, uh, has been bantered about. Well, that would be... I mean, that would be awesome if they could get a guy like that. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do at the trade deadline. It's very clear of what's happening now. Okay, if Comfort plays in the second spot center, who's going to play in the third? Um, you know, I, I, I think they're going to fill that second centerman. I think they know they have to. Um, obviously, I don't know enough about the cap space and where they're going to be at. Um, I mean, you look at a... Uh, Bo Hovard, if I'm saying his name right, sorry. Horvat, yeah. I mean, they're gonna, they're gonna put if they get a guy like that. Uh, obviously, Taze would be awesome with his experience, and you know, I don't know, I don't know if they'll get him, but um, but they don't need a they don't need a number one center, I don't think, but they do need to fill. I think the void, like what you said about Kadri, I really, I really believe they got to fill that. And I mean, I would like to see them pick up. Even though the other guys are hanging in there, a defenseman, I would like to see them pick up uh, just an older veteran defenseman that can come and take some minutes defending off uh, the other guys that uh, played a lot. You know, through they're going to get more injuries as the season goes, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. But uh, they're seeing it here; they're they're hanging in there with the injuries they have. 
And uh, last one for me, but I just want to get your thoughts on the goaltending position. They win a Stanley Cup with Darcy Kemper and let him walk out the door. How are they hanging in there in the crease this year? That's a great question. Like, I, I, Kemper got it done, right? And um, right. You know, you have to you have to win with goaltending, and um, I think ninety five percent of the teams that win have that unreal goaltender, right? A guy that can take it. It's like, you know, in baseball, you can't win without the pitching or a quarterback in football. Goaltending's key. The abs, I mean, Kemper, I don't know him well enough, but um, this guy that's in net now, is he competes. I think he's better, what I've seen. Um, he's quick. He's good. He's not super big. I mean, he struggles a little bit with the shot on the power play from the point when he's got net front, when there's net front presence, he, it seems like he, you can get him high at times. Um, I'm sure they're aware of it and he'll work on it, but this guy's kept them in games. He's, he's legit. So uh, I think they, no disrespect to Kemper. He's a really good goaltender and won a Stanley Cup, but I think they improved there and it's what a, what a move by them, right? To, to have a goalie that won it and then, and then all of a sudden adjust and, and, you know, try to better that position. I think, you know, I, I think I think they got the better goalie, but I I'm not a goalie expert by any means. So even though I roomed with Wah for eight years, but I'm not a goalie expert. So uh, we'll see. Footer, I got to ask you as we round out 2022, uh, your thoughts on the Atlantic Division. Uh, we know uh, Cal's in in Tampa Bay. Uh, but your thoughts between Tampa Bay, Toronto, and the Boston Bruins, man. How is this thing going to play out, and, and do the Leafs have, have a chance? It's tough. I mean, you look at that division. We were looking at it last night, and I think it's the toughest division still. Um, I mean, because, you know, Ottawa and Detroit's coming. You know, Eisenman's going to do what he did in Tampa as far as developing that group and making a winner. Um you know, Buffalo, they're so, they were in here this day, they are so young and talented and skilled. It's unbelievable, all those first-round picks. Um, I think Tage Thompson's uh, for real. I can't believe how well Cousins is playing um, for them as such a young guy. But in Ottawa, you don't know what happened with Florida, right? That was such a big trade, and I don't know if they've, they're playing like 500 hockey right now, but they're still still a, a good hockey team. And Ottawa's, they're coming. I, I believe they're coming. But you said it. I can't believe where Boston's at. And, um, you know, you got a great captain there, and I think the captains made it easy on their coaching change for Montgomery. Uh, what they're doing, they're pretty impressive. They're a heavy team. They're big. They can defend. Uh, they're going to be tough to beat. The Leafs, I thought they almost had Tampa last year if it wasn't for Vassie, like I said. And Tampa seems to be always right in the mix and the hunt of it. So it'll be interesting. That's a tough division for sure. I think it's the best one. It's going to be a lot of fun in 2023. Hey, thanks for doing this footer. And say say hi to my uh, my buddy Bobby T for me, okay? All right, I will. Yes, you take, take care. Thanks for having me. Adam Foote, two-time Stanley Cup champion. Thoughtful guy. So, uh... Yeah, he grew up with Bob Torrens. Bob Torrens was a, a longtime producer here at Sportsnet. Oh, okay. So every once in a while, like, come up with some great ideas. And I don't know if you ever saw this uh, feature that we did where uh, we actually got to follow around our good Friday buddy, Doug McLean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, trying to sign Adam Foote. Oh, really? Free agency. So we had all these behind-the-scenes uh, looks 
at the process of signing him. Yeah. Private jets, and it was really cool. Really? Yeah. I mean, Foot was a, I don't, he was a star. I mean, oh, no, it, no, you know, in a was very different style of star, but he was a big Just guy. perfect in, yeah. in Colorado oh, uh, yeah. for that complimentary to Sackick. How much money Forsberg. did Doug give him? <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, probably in the vicinity of 12 to 13 million for three years, maybe four. Yeah. I think he was knocking at the, on the on the door of about three right. plus a year, nice. maybe four. And that had been 20 years ago or oh, something. Oh, yeah. 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 That's decent. Take that. Very decent. Um, interesting to hear him say multiple times, you know, his son was on Tampa Bay and to say multiple times that the Leafs had Tampa or that they had their backs against the wall or he thought they were going to get Tampa, like, you know. Well, where did Vasilevsky. he go? Exactly. So Matt Murray, so, Ilya Samsonov, so, I'm panicking so, over here in December. Are we going back to that, that, that little drop in goaltending in the last week and a half that kind of scares you against well, Vasilevsky? And just knowing that the other side has what it, the guy who's universally recognized as the best goalie on earth. Is he not? Like, Shesterkin's not that guy. He won the Vesna, but he's not. Hellebuck's almost everyone in the league. If you say pick one guy, it's the guy that the Leafs are going to have to face. He's calm. He's big. What is he, 6'4"? Can you let the no, Leaf no. Nation just go to New Year's <laughs> Eve feeling okay? Fine. It's not a crisis, but it is a concern. It is, uh, I, you know, you, you can hear people talk about Makar, mm-hmm. and then if you hear it from a guy that did it, lived it, right? Like Adam Foot, yeah. it, it takes it takes Makar to another level. When I hear Adam Foot talk about him, what's crazy too is like he's talking about him that like he can't believe that the game has evolved in a way that it's made it possible for a Kale Makar to exist. But he didn't play in 1960. Like, Adam Foote played not that long ago. What is it? 20, I don't know when his last year was. I have to look that up. But, like, you know, he's, oh, here it is, 2011. He played 10 years ago or 12 years ago, whatever that is. And he's like, I cannot believe that guys like Kale McCarr could do yeah. what they do. So, yeah, it's uh, that level of respect coming from a guy like Adam Foote. No big deal. And he's he talked about, about Foote, by the, way, the injuries. Pims. Right? Uh, yeah. And the big one, for sure. Long term, we know Nate. It was always going to mm-hmm. be about three weeks, so early January, I think, for for McKinnon. But Landis Cog, to me, is the interesting one. Mm-hmm. And how significant is it? How much of a rush do you put him into coming back, or is it so significant that you could pull off? A Kucherov. Oh, he thinks. Oh, geez, that'd be uh, scary. Why, why wouldn't that be in their thought process? The only concern, I guess, is you know how badly do they need him? Like looking at the standings right now, Colorado's in the second wild card spot. Sorry, the first wild card spot in the West. Like I, they they have some games in hand. That's and- with being hit. With the worst injury bug of the NHL. The worst that I remember seeing. Yeah, they've been crippled. But, like, I guess the question is just where do you expect them to be? Like, if they're in playoffs, then, yeah, you say, all right, let's just get there. But you sure like to not have to play the one seed. So I think it depends where they're at. Like, if they're clearly in the 2-3 seed game, maybe then they say, hey, hang on, we'll take our chances with adding a giant salary here. 
Don't look now, but the L.A. Kings. Oh, Kings are on a tear. 7-1-2 and two in their last 10, two straight wins. Uh, fourth best record in the Western Conference by winning percentage. Humming along. Humming along. All right, and we're going to get, uh, we'll, we'll talk maybe a little L.A. Kings with Mike Fuda, of course, two-time Stanley Cup champion with the Los Angeles Kings and doing a terrific job on Sportsnet uh, as a hockey analyst. And on the IR, we're going to get the details of what the heck happened to him over the Christmas holidays. Have you been on morphine in your life ever? Oh, yeah. I think we're going to get some. We might get some morphine today. <laughs> we'll see what that We'll get the morphine entails. version of, uh, of the National Hockey League after the break. And I want to get into what really took the hockey Twitter world, uh, you know, in a bit of a rampage is uh, JT, Miller? JT Miller. What a donkey. Calling out uh, their third string goaltender for not coming out of the net early enough for him yeah. last night. Uh, this guy. Okay, save it. Save it. Save it. Just like we prep for this show. Save it. I don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. <laughs> save, save it for it. the air. Save it for the air. Yeah. That and more. Bill Kipper and Bourne after these words. This is Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. We are down the stretch, 2022. You didn't get fired the whole year. Don't jinx us. (laughs) I guess there's still time. We've got one last guest of the year. Really rolling the dice with this last guest. And it ain't Doug McClain. It's not The Rock. (laughs) We didn't even want The Rock. Who'd we want for the final guest of 2022? Mike Fuda. Love it. The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we couldn't get The Rock. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you think Shane don't show balls showing, showing up after a spanking club loss? <laughs> hey, 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 don't laugh because it hurts. That's, I, that, I have had broken ribs before, I know. Can we get this out of the way, Kipper? I looked at this because you guys are clearly my... My favorite podcast, we're close friends, and I love listening to you, and you've brought a lot of energy out of me. So this is my first one on morphine, which will be interesting. <laughs> but Bob, Bobby Bond uh, played on a broken foot in 1964, and to have Nick Caprios call me at night and say, can you be the last guest of the new year? I had to find a way to play hurt. But <laughs> I, I, have to, I have to explain to you, just so it clears the air, what actually happened. Yes, yes. yes. my first question. <laughs> So we're going to have to put the least, the least yotes on the back burner for a couple seconds. Fine. So about 10.30 a.m. on Friday, last Friday, uh, I stupidly decided in a blizzard to, and I'm living in like Casaloma, like it's way above my pay grade. So <laughs> I decided to walk outside and imagine a World Cup soccer player getting nudged and trying to drop <laughs> I went, it was a comment, I went so far in the friggin' air and landed on the rock and Ribs first, got my hands up, tried to protect myself. Uh, being a proud guy, I'm in a very secluded area, so there's nobody around. I got up, I did the Michael Bunting, I got up on one knee, <laughs> waited for the refs to come in. <laughs> Drew blood, death, I was leaking. There's no oh, question I was oh leaking. My. So crawled back up the stairs, got inside, thinking nice secluded area, called 911. And I thought, you know, area like this, I'm whatever. I'm going to get like Quincy or Moonlight Graham from 
Field of Dreams come walking up with a sack. I literally get the full something about Mary treatment. There's a fire truck <laughs> coming down the street. There's ambulances. And I'm like, I'm like a guest in this house that I'm renting. And I literally, uh, I get put in the back seat like the old Hannibal Lecter version. And uh, they're talking, and I'm not one of those kind of, I'm a hockey guy, but I'm not like a celebrity guy. And sure enough, the first thing as I'm getting in the ambulance goes, hey, you're the guy from Sportsnet. <laughs> God damn it, not now. Well, you are <laughs> no. now a celebrity. Great, great now, great time. So anyways, I, I spent the day, you know, I cracked a couple of ribs. Uh, and great, sir, they treat you very well. Unfortunately, I, when it's all over, I reminded them that I came in an ambulance. They basically shove you out the back door and say, here, this is where you pick up an Uber. So it was a very interesting Friday night. Uh, long story short, missed Christmas with my kids, my parents. Uh, uh, missed a few shifts with the boys at nine. And the group at Sportsnet there, so it's been a, a crappy week, but my parents drove down to see me today. I'm feeling a lot better, and I couldn't be more proud for you guys to consider me on the episode. So well, we, thanks for having me, guys. We feel bad for you that you missed all of that. But on the other hand, I just want to send this out to all the listeners. If by chance anybody has it on video... <laughs> We will pay big bucks. Ungodly sums. We will pay a large amount of money. If anybody, security cameras, you have it in the background, whatever you have, please, please call us here at uh, Sportsnet. And on behalf of myself, I will double the offer. All right, oh. and saying that, man, we really, really appreciate the effort. Did the morning, did the morphine kick in uh, before uh, the the Leafs blew the third period? <laughs> Less than I, I watched. I watched it all, and it's funny. The people that know that I'm on morphine keep sending me wine for Christmas. So I've got some very. <laughs> I've got, I think I got some friends that don't want to see me come through this, but. <laughs> No, I mean, I thought it was one of those games. I, I, I was a little concerned because the Leafs have been playing so well, and obviously that first shift with, uh, you know, with uh, Holler and Geo looking yes, like the, the defense on young Keystone there. cops. Yeah, that was ugly, and uh, I didn't, I didn't think Murray was great. Uh, I, I think again, when your team like like whatever the Ferret Phoenix is playing with house money, it wasn't like the first loss. I mean, I think shots were like fifteen to two in the first period. I'm sure the boys had all gathered the night before at, uh, you know, Hotel Le Matthews, and uh, they didn't have their stuff. But it wasn't. A, I don't think it was a big concerning loss for me. Uh, I think if they come back the way I think they will against Colorado, that'll be fine. Uh, still, I don't know. Really I think I heard you guys talking about it, but it's an absolute. I think uh, Dubas should just stick around Arizona and see what else falls out the chute. <laughs> if, if, Michael, if, if Michael Bunting can't play on that team and and and, and Timmons, I mean, I mean, I know it's early, but a right shot D, he's 24 years old. They can, you know, play a second power play. And other than he looks like me on the ice steps about twice a game where there's nobody around him and he just seemingly blows a tire and blows up on his own. Uh, yeah, I like what's happening. I like what's happening there. And uh, Sheldon has a presence about him on the bench. He looks like he's much probably to a point that it would piss refs off because he hasn't been in the league that long, but he certainly has this veteran presence about himself. And I thought a couple of calls were mysterious, and uh, it, was, it was. You know, I'm not worried about the game. I think uh, I think they'll bounce back, and uh, I think they. Uh, it wasn't one of those. I think they played down to their opponents so much as it was. The elite players weren't as elite as they have been, but they still played hard and should have won the game. So, like Arizona's beat some pretty good teams in that little shack. So yeah. I mean. 
it's it's good on them, but I, I mean, I still think they're a bit of a mirage, and I don't I don't like the look of the building with the like even the shadows all over the ice and stuff like that. It's just it's, it's a weird look. But say la vie. Uh, I don't know whether Dryden's the. I mean, it's early. Um, I just still think the team needs some some more dirt and some snot. Uh, and I felt even more of that because I kept switching over. I wanted to watch the lease, but the Tampa Bay Ranger game just grabbed me. And I was like, wow, these, uh, you know, these teams right now are playing for keeps and not that the Leafs can't play that way, but you know, the Silesky and Shesterkin just looked like ridiculous. And they were, they were going all throwback. And I saw Dryden go in. I thought he threw a hit with arguably could have been hit from pine. Um, Mm -hmm. And then he got in the dust up, which I was expecting McBain to be carted off, not knowing how Dryden, whether he can handle himself. And I just didn't think that was, what I was expecting the outcome of the fight to be. Now he could have slipped, whatever, but I didn't see somebody that's going to scare anybody off in a physical presence. Uh, he's just going to bring a little bit of energy. So watching that, this Leafs team feuds, you know, I, I can't help but think of your LA Kings teams that got into playoffs as, you know, lower seeds and then just you, you play who you got to play and, and you beat them. Do you think it's a priority for Toronto to, to catch Boston and get a softer first-round matchup, or is it like be like the Kings or be like the Lightning and, and just try to get in? Just, just I think it's got to come to that place. It gets real dangerous when you're trying to – well, at least what you say, Borny, because you're trying to catch somebody, right? Yeah. I mean, it's at least you're trying to catch a team ahead of you. It's double dangerous when you pull the old – you know, I went through it in junior once where our owners t- told us to play our backup and sit out our top guys so we'd play Windsor instead of Kitchener, and that this doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's not It's not fair to the game of hockey, and right. I think if you're trying to ch- catch the team in front of you, that's fine. Uh, but I, I just think it's going to be absolutely, and I know, Kipper, I read all your stuff, Borny, I was just getting into your stuff on the keys there, uh, or what you think is going to happen in the new year and the 10 things that have to happen, and this clearly looks like a playoff team. They're playing a different way. I think they have to, like anybody else, avoid a critical injury. Um, I'm still not sold 100%. I like the goaltending. I think it's been okay, but I don't like it. Uh, I don't get that Vasilevsky, Shesterkin feeling out of it. Um, uh, although there's time to be gone. It was nice for Morsi Morgan Raleigh back in the lineup. But I think the acquisitions, whichever, and, you know, Brisbois is going to do something. I mentioned before, you know, Kyle's going to do something with that space that he's got. Uh, there's just so many teams that are going to be trying to do something that I think that move is going to be critical in first-round success because I was looking at the standings there, boys, and when you look at it, you've got some teams that are still floating around, right, like Seattle, and mm-hmm. it, it's a nice story and stuff, but if they don't make it, you know, the, the city's not going to burn down. But you look at teams like the Oilers and, and St. Louis and to a certain extent Vancouver, like it's – there's serious expectations there, right? And then you go to the East. When you look back up the East, I'm same thing. Like the Rangers and the Florida Panthers are the two teams that I say, like, this is absolutely critical that they get in. I mean, I think Buffalo and Detroit are still playing a little bit with the close money. And Ottawa fell too far off the pace, you know, but I think they did anyways. But it's just there's certain teams, the expectation is you better win now. And I think the trade deadline this year is going to be absolutely phenomenal to watch to see who gets that chip it might might change the change the course in that first round, whoever you play. Game time decision, Mike Fuda joining us on our version of Game <laughs> Took Seven. Took warm up and decided he could go. <laughs> and we're thankful for it. Uh, 96 shots on goal 
uh, between uh, Vasilevsky and Shesterkin last night on a 2-1 score, which uh, tells you everything you need to know about their capabilities and their reputations. And yet... And good uh, ones, Kipper. Good ones, too. Yeah. Like not, no, no. Not like par five. They were good shots. I know. Good and uh, our conversation earlier on in the show with JB uh, was the drop-off uh, that we've seen in the last two weeks uh, between Matt Murray and, and Samsonov. And where do you where is that on your uh, on your belt of uh, concerned uh, notches? And where is Allmark in all of this at twenty one and one? When does when does he come back down to earth? Well, there's no signs in his game of doing that, right? You know, I mean, the history of his numbers actually. And I think we talked about it in another show. And even with Buffalo, when they were absolutely junk, he had pretty decent numbers. But he's playing like. It was, it, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, he's like, again, the saves he was making last night, the confidence he has. And again, that's, that's an exceptional blue line that they have in front of them. And that they're starting to get healthy. Um, he worries the hell out of them. And I, I think Tampa Bay, when they go to bed at night, that's the least of their worries. It was like, we used to, that's the one thing we always knew when we were on our prime. And it just, as long as Jonathan Quick got his rest, that position was not worried about. Mm-hmm. Now, I think they can make anything that they want to make about it. And I think he's done nothing to make people be concerned. But in the back of your mind, you're still a little bit worried. He's like, Vasilevsky is still at the altar, right? Matt Murray is, and they can both say, well, they both have two cups. But one was a long time ago and a lot of injuries ago. And Vasilevsky seems to be knock on wood. I don't want to jinx him, but he's one of those looks like quick and in his prime. He's just going to stay healthy. You're very seldom going to get anything but an A game. And I think still with that Toronto, I mean, I'm sure internally they've got confidence, but there has to be, if that first goal goes in like last night, and again, it wasn't his fault. It was a vaudeville routine by the D, but it was it still wasn't a great goal that you're going to have that doubt in your mind. And Justin Williams used to say in the dressing room, he'd say, quick's in guys, quick is in other teams' heads. Right, and uh, you're in that room, and you you might be thinking we could be at our best tonight, and if this guy's got at his best, he still might beat us. And I think Vasilevsky has that ability. I don't think other teams are at that stage where they sit in their rooms and go, "Oh my God, Matt Murray and and Balmov or whatever." What's the backup team? You know, yeah, they're on the other team. Yeah, Ilya Samsonov. There, I don't think there's just that incredible. Oh my God, that's who they've got in that tonight. Um, so I think that's why coming down the stretch here, the consistency, I think Toronto and Tampa Bay, if it's, if it's meant to be, I think that home ice is absolutely critical in this one. I know everybody last year wasn't whatever they won in game seven. I think this year's Toronto team plays a much different game at home. Uh, still consistent on the road, but I think home ice matters exceptionally. And, uh, and Tampa Bay I think that those are the worst third uniforms ever. Oh, so atrocious. Somebody's got to cut. It's like someone they they made it with Nashville or something. It just doesn't make any sense. But I think that decision alone should cost them. It's like it's oh like they, they made it on morphine I, and wine. I don't get that. Yeah, I don't get I don't get that. Oh, oh morphine and wine. Thanks for me. <laughs> um you know, I you talk about Justin Williams and he's being, you know, being in your guys' room and the value of that. The Leafs have tried to import leadership in the past, right? Joe Thornton was here and Patrick Marlowe was here and Jason Spezza was here. And, you know, they, they've kind of been waiting for, I don't know, to have that guy. 
Do you think that you can bring that in from the outside, or does that level of leadership have to come from the core guys who are a part, who really have been here and play a lot? Uh, no, I think you can bring it in. Uh, we bought it in in troves because sure. with no disrespect, to, and I, but I, it's a different era. I mean, we could name like how many guys that you think are legitimate captains in the Toronto, I mean, there's no knock. I mean, in how many legitimate captains are there in the NHL? Like you look at obviously guys like Taze and stuff that make a living off it. But I mean, I think Mark Giordano brings that to them. I think Jake Muslin was bringing that to them. But in our case, I think Dustin Brown, and I love Browning, but I think he was our 11th best leader, uh, and he wore the C. So, I mean, when you start bringing in James Stewart, Matthew, Mike Richards, Jeff Carter, uh, Willie Mitchell, you look around the room, and you're surrounding the young guys, guys at that time like Drew Doughty and Kyle Clifford, he was younger at the time, and these, you know, even Muzz at the time was young. It was unbelievable. Like, there was, it was a, a Hall of Fame-worthy captain's list and, uh, and, you know, and that's not including Kopitar. So I don't see that in this dressing room. Uh, the only dressing room that I uh, actually two off the top of my head, I see that in Tampa uh, because there's, their group has been there and done it enough. And I see it in Boston. Uh, it doesn't mean they can't be beaten, but there's something about, uh, and the fact even a guy like Foligno, like right now for me, Foligno would be the perfect fit for the Leafs. Ah, the the <laughs> now, way not this right, again. The now. Way he's playing right now, the way he's yes. playing right now, and, now. and that's that's exactly what they expected from him when they traded for him. And he didn't fail. He got injured, right? You know, but he, that that means yeah, but that, that's it's, what they need. Yeah, they need that as a bottom six guy, and that's where he's comfortable. But you traded him as if he was a top six guy, and that's where you missed the boat. Well, I didn't trade him. <laughs> Don't blame me. <laughs> Don't blame me. No, no, I'm not. I'm but just, sitting, I'm just right. sitting at home, slip wiping out on ice. I don't have the ability to make those moves. <laughs> no, I agree with you. But that's, I still, if they had re-signed him, I think, uh, and again, and it, it was such a tough decision because I applauded Kyle getting him at the price aside. Uh, but the, he got hurt, right? But I just don't know. I think somewhere along the line, they made an organizational pause that that's not the way we weren't successful playing that way and they weren't successful playing that way because those guys weren't on the ice not because they couldn't win if they were healthy and now you see that there is your prototypical bottom six look out you know i I don't fight as much as i have to anymore but god forbid if i gotta go there's a chance i'm gonna knock you out and he's chipping in and he's and he he is a throwback leader right that is true blue you know, Canadian captaincy, you know, in, in the blood. So, yeah, that's exactly the type of player they need, whether it's out there because there's going to be so many teams desperate to have the same kind of pieces. And, again, it gets down to what you're get willing to give up. Uh, I do agree with you, although I continually forget his name, that the Minnesota college player. Oh, Nyes, Matthew Nyes. Yep. Yeah, Nyes is going to, if he gets a chance, I think he has a chance to – make an impact on this year's team. Uh, but that being said, uh, I, if I was looking, when you start talking about, uh, you know, we always, I, people are throwing out whatever, Ryan O'Reilly or big time names that come or, or, or uh, uh, Captain Vancouver, Bo Herb yeah. whatever they do. I'm not getting off nice if I'm the other team. Like that's, yes. I'm, I am getting that player and you guys, I know how important. I know how much pressure's on you to get out of your first round. 
I am not moving on this Plastis player. And that's up for them to do, but that's the kind of stance it takes. And I mean, and in fairness, that's what Philadelphia did to us. Um, and we ended up, I talked about the deal at length because I remember Dean Lombardi telling me, we're going to trade your son. And it was Wayne Simmons. He's clearly not my son. Right. But we ended up training. Uh, we, got, we got Mike Richards, who it eased the pain because I had coached him and I knew he was a genuine leader, Captain Canada, all that stuff at the time. And we traded Braden Shen uh, and uh, Wayne Simmons and a second-round pick for Mike Richards. And we got two Stanley Cups and probably could have had other, as I said, a full team going to get arrested. But we got two Cups, and we would never have got those Cups without Mike Richards. So we gave up the two pieces that we clearly didn't want to move. But we, we got back what helped push us over the top. So... It was worth it, but it is a gamble. It doesn't happen all the time. Hey, listen, I'm not advocating for anything here, but you're really, really good on morphine. <laughs> <laughs> just, just ration some for show days. Well, I'm hoping before the weekend that I can truly answer that question, Chipper. <laughs> you know how I know uh, the morphine's wearing off? Because you're starting to talk a lot more. Okay, all week. <laughs> this, is, this is like you've uncaged me again. Okay, listen, we're sending you back. Go relax. I appreciate it. Okay, Sit I appreciate back and it, relax. Guys. Thanks for having me on, and both of you have a happy new year. Hey, can I say congratulations too to Carolyn Cameron on her engagement? I haven't seen her, and that's uh, yes, that's awesome for her over the break there. I know she got engaged calls, so great news all around. Yeah, congrats to CC and happy yeah. new year to you, Futes. We appreciate you coming on, man. Candlesticks okay. make a good gift. Thanks, Kippers. Thanks, gentlemen. <laughs> All right, pal. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Michael Fuda. What a trooper. I mean, I saw some pictures. It's like a purple, like basketball sized on his ribs. Oh, suck it up. Oh, dude. You said you broke your ribs? Oh, yeah. Everybody's probably, you know, you played 12 years. Come on. Oh, I, I avoided contact for my time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is, sounds like he can't it, it cough, can't sneeze, laugh. Breathe, yeah. uh, roll over, take a dump. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the morphine. Yeah. Nothing. I, uh, I do recall being on morphine after I shattered my jaw and talking to my wife through my jaws wired shut. I'm talking through my teeth. And I was like, this is great. I can finally have time to read books. And, you know, there's all these books I want to read. This is going to be awesome for me. And like the morphine really tricked me into it being a great thing. So good for a few. To- all right. We're going to we're closing it down here in 2022. We mentioned that we're going to answer some um, some tweets, uh, mm-hmm. some messages, uh, they're out there. Tristan's going to get them on board for us. But before we do that, a quick comment on your article and, and some thoughts. I came out with mine uh, earlier this week for the Toronto Star. If you haven't read it, uh, some bold predictions for 2023. Just uh, go to my social uh, handle at uh, Real Kipper and you can find it there. But let's talk about yours right now, JB. Yeah, so I wrote mine on five questions that the Leafs must answer before the final playoff exam. Um, you know, we're going into 2023, and there's still some real decisions that have to be made. And so my five questions were, and you can just stop me if any of them intrigue you. The one I asked Futes, do you make the push for the Bruins, or do you use the year to experiment with different lineups and D pairs? Which, you know, some people think you just get in and... Okay, I, I really think the Leafs should push for to catch the Bruins. Will the team commit to Kyle Dubas for the new contract or not? Will the Leafs commit to Matt Murray or Ilya Samsonov at some point this season? 
Um, are they pursuing the trade denu- deadline menu for an entree or side dishes? That's from our talk yesterday. Nice. And do they want to use the Jake Muzzin LTIR, uh, LTIR money on a D-man or a left winger? Those are my five questions for them. I like it. They're, they're big questions. I mean, they they dictate what they want to do. The Nyes thing, if Nyes is awesome, it's less likely they trade him. And then all of a sudden they add a left winger for 750 okay. grand or whatever, 850 grand. Okay. Uh, Minnesota is supposed to be a, cha- a championship type of caliber, right? Yeah. A national championship caliber team. He went back to try to win a championship. And I, their Again, top three scorers I, I, are Jimmy Snuggerud, St. Louis, Logan Cooley, and himself. They're good. Are we not talking about if they go to They're a... They're in the nation. If they go to a national championship, are we not talking uh, first or second week in April? Yes. So, so we're going to take Matthew Nyes mm-hmm. and we're going to pluck him out of a, a final Division One NCAA. Yeah. And we are going to throw him in the deep end against the Tampa Bay Lightning. An NCAA final is not the shallow end. He's not coming from D2 in Slovakia. It ain't the NHL. <laughs> no, it isn't. I get it. Yeah. Right? Right. And how many have done that in the past? Successfully? Yes. I don't know. I, I mean, Cole Caulfield's one of the few that we can watch score his first uh, NHL goal in the playoffs. Kale McCarr, a uh, college kid? Yes, he was. Kale McCarr came in and helped Colorado a bit. Uh, playoffs first? I th- yeah, I, he scored his first NHL goal against in Calgary playoffs? in the first round, I'm pretty sure. But anyway. He's not Anyways, and I'm not saying that I, I have him coming in and mm-hmm. and by the end of the playoffs, being a guy like Michael Fuda just said, is coming in and, and contributing. Mm-hmm. I don't know how impactful he can be. I don't know if we're talking about seven minutes, 10 minutes, 12 minutes, but the moment he comes in, I'll tell you what's guaranteed. He looks 6'3". Yeah. That's a guarantee. It is. That in itself, to me, is a somewhat of an improvement of, on what I optically see Did now. He, he has any pims? He plays rough at all? You know, I don't know enough about his uh, what, temperament. Are you turning him into, uh, like, uh, Tom Wilson? No, I'd like him to, you know, not... Yeah, he's, he's got a couple of pims. 31 pims in 33 games. Like, yeah. At least he's involved in the contact. I think, uh, to your number one question... Absolutely, that you 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 drive for Boston towards Boston. They're nine points back at the Bruins. I don't care. I they, know. Well, you know, there's still forty five games we, left. We can see on any given week, teams go on a a heater. Yeah, as our buddy uh, Jack Hughes Jack Hughes says in in Jersey. Or they can get into a rut here. You know, all of a sudden, Pasternak's hurt, and they go on the road for against good teams, and they lose, you know, three in a row. It's the, yeah. the door open. So, yes, I agree that 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 should be the focus right now. You know, I, I, I that question was inspired by Tampa Bay using Sergachev as the D man on power play one, which is not their power play look. They're just seeing what they have, which is not really. You know, the the, the Leafs have been doing that too, but. 
you know, do you want to maximize the lineup? Do you think that Marner and Matthews are going to play together in the postseason, in which case you yeah. put them together now and try to win every single night? Tough decisions. The Leafs, as it stands, nine points behind the Boston Bruins. Boston carrying one game in hand. Mm. The one thing that you got to keep in mind here is how difficult it is to gain ground under the current system. Right, where you get a straggler point. And I think uh, you watch now Ottawa. Pretty good. Yes. I mean, they came back on Washington last night. Uh, I don't know if you saw it on the highlights, but uh, Claude Giroux's dive to save a puck coming out of uh, Washington zone. Yeah. Um, and made a incredible pass uh, that helped the Ottawa Senators come back and win in overtime. But they're they're on a nice little run here. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is who's who's dropping right now significantly? That, that's what it is, right? It's who's not dropping? points. It's teams between you and the gap. Ottawa is only nine points out of the playoffs. The same we're talking about from Toronto to Boston, but they're also behind Florida, Buffalo, Detroit, and the Rangers to get there before you get to the Islanders yeah. and Pittsburgh, who have forty-four. And points. Washington is, uh, you know, you needed you needed Washington not to get a point last night, right? Already, you're doing that. So yeah, already. Okay, you're number two, Kyle Dubas. Yeah, let's end this right now. Okay, he ain't getting a contract. No, I agree. I also think that e- even if they win. It's just my my opinion. I have nothing on this. I think even if they have success, he wins two three rounds. I think he leaves now. Oh, I think he. he Whoa. I, I think he would be really. Oh, that that's out of left field here. I think he'd be really offended by the idea that he doesn't think that he's shown enough that he can put together a team that can compete. I think that would piss him off, and I think he's a guy who would take that personally. So you've got you've got this. You've got the Barry Trotz going. On the GM that? side, yeah. 2018? Yeah. Whatever happens here, I'm out. He's gonna, he won the Stanley Cup, and it was predetermined a month before that. He's done. Yeah. And Reardon was getting his job. So, again, this is – Dubas has stopped responding to my text message, uh, messages about hockey things. <laughs> we, so, I, I got nothing on this. This is not a personal note. This is my own opinion. But you know the man better than most of us. I know he is competitive and emotional. And I think this would bug him. Don't you? Would it bug you? Yeah, but as you get older, I think you uh, it gets less about ego and more about still what is your best chance to win. Well, not only that, but... You know, he's got a young, he's got a wife, he's got a young family. So that's a really good point. Okay. And, uh, you know, what's, you know, you want to, young kids, you want to come in and, here. and what's best for them and what's their scenario and how close are you to family? Grammy and Duba, Doobies in the suit. Grandma Dubas and all of it. <laughs> yeah. So that makes it a little. This is why radio's good because now I'm backing off a little bit. <laughs> so so I, I think he could be pissed off, yeah. but still say, Pretty good situation, and I I like staring at a four year deal for uh, twenty million bucks. Maybe that he's more willing to right? leave. Right? If if he gets to a second or third round, he might. He's in a position to ask for four or five million bucks. Sounds good. I don't know what he's making as the GM of the Toronto Marlies, but it wasn't that. No, no. But can also turn into a big bag of feathers if you don't win.
they, in April. They go get swept by the Bolts in round one this year. Yeah, is there any team lining up for services? Okay, um, my article as well yeah. uh, in the Toronto Star uh, this week talked about the goalie scenario. Mm-hmm. I had uh, 2023 at some point that we will not see Samsonov and Matt Murray together again. In 2023, so going into even next season. If, going yeah. into next season, we could see that uh, play out possibly till the following March. Yeah. But this will be their last full season together. Yeah. Yeah, I, I and your argument for that was really sound in that if Samsonov's good, then they're going to pay him. Then they've got, you know, a guy making $4 million in the crease already. You don't want a $4 million or $5 I, million I, dollar backup. Yeah, I, I think that would be high end here. And right. unless flat out Samsonov ends up with the starting job by April and carries them around two rounds, three rounds, you're going to have to go five plus on Samsonov. Yeah. Like if he does that well, you yes. five plus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know, three rocky performances in a row for old. Let Ilya. me tell you something. Yeah. That guy knocks out Vasilevsky in the first round. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, and Jack Campbell didn't, and mm. he's at five. Yeah. You got to start doing them, you know. Right. RFA, though. You got to look at the market. Yeah. You got to. Yeah. But that's if you want to buy into UFA. his UFA years. That's all. Yep. So that's, uh, that's those are the type of scenarios I think they, they have to be playing out. Mm-hmm. Whether you're Kyle Dubas, Brendan Shanahan, these conversations have to be going on. There's no question. Yeah. Uh, and Matt Murray, again, if Matt Murray is the guy and he knocks out Vasilevsky and takes him for for a ride here for a month, six weeks, yeah, uh, his number ain't coming down from his six point two five. I need uh, Sam back in in here so I can argue with him about Murray. Murray still makes me very uncomfortable. Just, you know, like the, was it McBain who shot the one on the power play over his, you know, he's 6'3 and he's on his knees and he shoots, just shoots it into the top corner. It's a great shot. Not saying it's not a great shot. Not saying Murray hasn't been good. Just saying the things that worried yeah. me preseason still worry. Okay. Me. Where were you in your article on trade deadline, entree or side dishes? I was on Matthew Nyes in that if they keep Nyes, then they don't have enough trade assets to go buy an entree. So they'll be shopping smaller. Unless they were to trade first-round picks, which I don't think the Leafs want to do. It feels like they want to keep those. Oh, God, I'll be so pissed off at them if they hoard their first-rounder. First that's probably going to be 25th overall or something yes. now that I think yeah. about it. And, and, and keep themselves from going uh, and, and significantly. First-rounders significantly can alter your lineup. So I, I wonder then if Nyes is good enough, you know, they think he's good enough to contribute. You get his salary at 800K or whatever it ends up being for, then you can spend a little bit more on the next salary if then yeah. they go get a defenseman, a bigger fish then. For Muzzin's money. For Muzzin's money. There correct. you go. Yeah. All right, Tristan, what do we got here, pal? We're on the clock. Hey, guys. How's it going? <laughs> good. Thanks for joining us. Uh, so, so far, uh, we have had a couple of texts um, this one is from, uh, there is no name here from, sorry, from Ian from Midland. Apologies, Ian. Uh, this is a little bit on the world juniors. If you guys wanted to touch into that at all, sure. uh, they Not were my saying, specialty, but we'll give it a shot. Yeah. Sorry. Repeat that kit. 
Yeah, we're good. We're going to give it our best shot here. Yeah, okay, for sure. Uh, he said, uh, do you think Connor Bedard will be bigger in the NHL than when Sidney Crosby was when he gets drafted? Uh, I, 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 to me, that you're asking about the hype, right? The attention, the, yeah, the hype. The hype, yeah. I don't know how much has social media changed since then. See, that's a really good point, is that the environment around these guys has changed. So uh, we have a question tonight. I'm, uh, I'm on the television tonight. I will say this before yes, yes. you just step yeah. on. That, that, that alone, we know more about Connor Bedard today than we knew about yes. uh, uh, Sidney Crosby yeah. just because of the way it's presented to us now. One of our questions for tonight for like a hot seat thing is, will he be more impactful than McDavid in his rookie season? And I don't know enough about Bedard to say definitively no, but it feels pretty definitively no to me. Like, McDavid, to me, is we don't know if he's going to be. He still could be the best player, one of the two or three best players ever. doesn't skate like Connor McDavid. Well, I, no one does, right? So, a, I know. And, and in McDavid's rookie year, he was third in the NHL in points per game. Yeah, I don't see so, Bedard coming in and, and being Connor McDavid-like. Right. Like he can revolutionize a franchise or, you know, change them anyway. One Good thing question. Yeah, it is. One thing superstars do that I think is underrated is they make people want to go play for that team. You see there's a superstar there, and you're more likely to sign as a UFA to allow a trade there. Like after Matthews was signed here, they had no problem getting Patrick Marlowe to come or, you know, guys that they were after, whether you agree with the signings or not, people were willing to come here because the team was yeah. getting better and looked exciting. Who doesn't want to play with a great player? Yeah. So – uh, it can can change a franchise for sure. Uh, got another question from Eddie in Hyde Park here. Uh, he said uh, he's a little bit concerned about uh, the return of Riley and Sandine. He fears they'll be complacent and miss the vigor of guys like Ben and Timmins who are fighting for jobs and playing very well. Yeah. Goaltending strong in the defensive system, break Riley and Sandine in gradually and not go 20 minutes plus for a while. Well, you can't break those guys. You don't break uh, Morgan Riley in uh, gently. He's a pro. He's been around a long time. The only thing I think that they can stress is not trying to jam a square peg in a round hole here and force things. And the one thing, and, and it goes back to what we talked about earlier in the show, is that if you can just convince them to just go back and watch our style of play in the last four weeks, that, you know, it's okay to sit and wait and be patient and not force things and limit those mistakes. Because they've, They've cleaned that up yeah. on their run, JB. Mm-hmm. They did not. They did not take a lot of gambles. They did not take a lot of chances. Patient as a as a defensive group, they weren't trying to force something that wasn't there. And Riley and both Sandine at at times this season have looked like no, just no, don't don't yeah. do that. Sandine was a lot better once Riley was out, but definitely is that element there. You know, I think my time with the Toronto Marlies, we had a lot of injuries, a lot of call-ups, and we would call players up from the ECHL. And inevitably, those guys can give you, like, a couple of games, right? Where they work really hard, dog on a bone, in the system, diligent. And, you know, so I understand the point about Ben and uh, Timmins. But those guys can't sustain that, or they'd be everyday NHLers. So you just got to plug these guys back in, let your good players be their good players. All right. We got time for one more. Tristan, what's the call? Uh, Yeah, we definitely do. Uh, I, I think you guys will like this one. Uh, uh, this is from, sorry, I just had it here. 
Our technology, honestly, it's... It, uh, Get the get the hamster back on the wheel, buddy. <laughs> uh, essentially, uh, this one is from. Sorry, guys. I'll get. Oh, uh, here we go. It is. It is from. Uh, no name. What the bleep, boy? Sammy didn't offer for you two to go down south. What a guy! Did you see? I'm his... going to Cabo next year, and you're welcome to come with me and my beautiful wife. <laughs> did, did you see? A, he put Your out a video of his golfing. He did. Yes, and yeah. he sunk like a 90 footer. No. Yeah, I think it was all doctor, doctor or something. So? Yeah. Little does he know that while he's been gone, we acquired a new hole in the office. We got a new putting mat that Sammy isn't a part of. So Wait, that's so large of you to go and get that. You know, for listen us. for the good of the program here. You know, awesome stuff, <laughs> awesome stuff. All right, that's it. We are wrapping up 2022 for all of you who have supported us in this calendar year. We can't thank you enough. It's been a pleasure. Uh, it's you, it's an honor you. every day to bring you what we can for two hours. Some of it good, some of it bad, some of you love, some of you hate. It's all good here on The Real Kipper and Bourne Show. JB, thanks for a terrific 2022, pal. You too, buddy. Had a blast. Looking forward to the next year and a great run in the back half of the season for... Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee, and the whole team here at Real Kipper and, and Bourne. Safe and happy 2023. Crazy. Happy New Year.